Okay, everyone, welcome to a very special edition of Switch of Play. Um, Mickey, um, delighted to be back. And, and this week, we've got a, a right treat in store for everyone. Haven't we, Joel Porter, coming on? Yeah, it's it's going to be a cracker, I think, and probably what he would say. Um, <laughs> I think we've got to be really grateful because he's, he's getting up really early to do it for us. Um, we did offer... We did offer to put it later so he could get up a bit later, but I think it just shows the type of guy he is that he wants to get up. I think it's half four his time in Australia to do it for us. So, um, yeah, really looking forward to him. A real, real good guy. Really good guy. So um, He was very popular, wasn't he, in the dressing room? Yeah, everyone loved him. Everybody loved him. There wasn't anyone that... I mean, you have the odd spats with people and arguments, but he's just a type of guy that... Now, most of the time he's got a smile on his face and he's he's a pleasure to be with. He really is. In terms of your week, Mick, I know you, you have you have you had a good one? Um, it's been mixed, to be honest, Mark. I've been trying to get out of my bike a couple of times. I've had an accident. I smashed my head oh, open on a on a close uh, opening up the, the clothes for us thing oh, outside. Yeah. So it's got three pros on it. I opened two up and the other one bashed it straight in the face. So hey <laughs> yeah, uh, not too bad. I know you keep in touch with Joel on the group chat, but when was the last time you actually had a conversation with him? When was the last time you spoke to him? It'll have been at the reunion. Reunion. Yeah, I think because of the, the WhatsApp groups, you, you tend not to pick the phone because you, you're in contact daily, if not every other couple of days. So yeah, it'll be at the reunion last time I've seen him. And, and, and again, it just shows what a, what a popular player and person he was with the reception he got that night. Right, well, without further ado... Um, Joel Porter, welcome to Switch to Play. How are you keeping? Yeah, good, man. Good. A uh, little bit chilly here in Australia at the minute during uh, winter time, but besides that, we're all good. And we were just saying, you've got up so early for us. I mean, it's, uh, what is it, just coming up at eight o'clock here. It's half past four in the morning where you are, isn't it? Yeah, half four in the morning. That's why it's a little bit dark because I can't have all the lights on. <laughs> Otherwise, the little, <laughs> the little one, uh, the eight-year-old Bradley will be up and... Um, if he's up, that's everyone up. So um, you'll just have to bear with the dimness, I think, boys. No, that's fine. <laughs> I mean, in terms of you know, it, obviously the world going through a, a quite a quite strange period now. We're starting to get back to some sense of normality, aren't we? How how's it been over there in in Australia? Yeah, we've um, we've not had it too bad. Um, some states have had it um, worse than others, but my state, South Australia, we. Um, you know, we had a couple of cases early on um, that came from overseas, um, but we've had no transmissions, like local transmissions at all. Mm -hmm. um, I think we've had um, pretty much for the last six, eight weeks, one, one positive test in SA. So our borders are closed. We can't, we can't fly anywhere um, at the minute or, or drive into uh, another state, but um, that's okay. That just means at the minute we can't... Um, we can't catch anything, um, but our um, the local soccer here is just starting up again next week uh, with the juniors and the local girls teams um, and the senior men's, which um, I coach as well. Uh, that starts in about a week, so everything's starting to get back to normal here. Yeah, good. And and Joel, is are the gyms open? And because at the minute pubs aren't open here, so that's a big thing for people that desperate to get back to pubs, which. Is understandable for some people. Gyms as yeah. well. And a lot of people are desperate for the gyms. Are things like that shut down in Australia. Have they always been open? No, some states they're such shut down. Um, we're actually at the stage where um, pubs can have uh, 
uh, I think it's gone up to about 100, maybe 200 people in it. Um, you still have to social distance once you get your beer and things like that. Uh, but you can now start have people in there, have dinner. Um, you can't hang around for four or five hours, but you can certainly have dinner for two hours, a couple of pints and uh, move on. And, and the gyms are the same there, depending on how big your gym is. If it's a you know nice big open one, then you can probably have eighty to hundred people in there. Um, but it's the same thing once you once you use equipment. Now you're wiping it down. Yeah. Everyone's you know washing their hands and sanitising and doing all that stuff. So um, I, read, I think I, that's just. I heard the deal that in a pub you're gonna to have to sit at the table. You're gonna to have to order from your table. And yes. You're gonna to have to book a time to go in. I was thinking, how run off the feet? Well, the people behind the bar are gonna be. So you have to like, oh, I'll order one from here. They're gonna run yeah. there. They're gonna have to go to. Uh, to uh, and when weeks, you when you get there, you got. When you get there, you got to give them your name and number, telephone yeah. number as well. So ID, um, just so if anyone, um, obviously tests positive and they've been at the pub, that you can be. Um, notified and let know so we're we're now stepping it up um, soccer games and things like that events are now I think up to 500 people so um, or, or that's the next stage which may be later in the week um, so weddings funerals all those things um, people will be able to start having again and you're up early crack of dawn Joel uh, to get yourself sorted for what is it you do for work now what what are you what are you doing for them uh, just in the logistics side of things. So I work for a company that um, we import stuff from overseas, uh, a little bit of office work, um, forklift work. I, I drive the big forklift containers. So um, getting them off trucks, um, putting them on trucks, things like that. So it's nothing uh, nothing too exciting, but uh, my concentration was on football when I was young, yeah. which is what I tell my uh, second youngest. Get studying, mate, because you don't want to do what I do after football. <laughs> well, you do, you do do plenty of the football stuff as well. You alluded to it already. You've done plenty of coaching in in in, in men's football, women's football, and in, in the junior stuff. You you've got to right across the board. Yeah, so I coach a senior men's side, which um, is in the uh, like the third division here in South Australia. So they're. Uh, they're actually a countryside, so half our team train here in Adelaide, half train two hours away, so a bit like Hartlepool and Sheffield. Um, and then we come together for games. So we play half our games in the country, half in Adelaide. Um, so I've got the senior men's side there. My daughter plays Div 1 women's football, and I coach her. She's uh, 17 now, Chloe. Um, so I coach her. So um, I do that. They play Sundays, I do that Monday, Wednesdays. The senior boys, I do Tuesday, Thursdays and play Saturdays. And then my little one, uh, my eight-year-old boy, um, he's just started under nine. So I'm sort of helping the club out there as a technical director for their juniors. Fantastic. Um, do a bit of that. And my, my middle boy, um, Jake, he's actually in the, um, like the uh, state side for his age group. Right. Um, so he's full on. He's pretty much four days a week plus games. Okay. So you passed so on the genes. What's that? You've passed on the football genes, then, have you? Yeah, yeah. He's loving it, mate. He can't wait to play for Hartlepool, to be honest. <laughs> that would be a story, <laughs> wouldn't it? Yeah, he can't wait. He wants to get over there now. Who's he uh, playing for? England or Australia? 
Well, this is this is the controversy because he's he's leading towards England, mate. Brilliant. So, yeah. Go on, yeah. <laughs> so I'm a little bit unhappy about that. <laughs> I might have you, to kick him out soon. <laughs> you've, lost some of your, you've lost some of your heart to cool twang since you've gone back over there as well. Haven't I? Haven't <laughs> I? It's uh, the the uh, all the relos when I first came back noticed it that I'd pretty much turned Hartley Paulian. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's definitely all that accent's definitely gone now. <laughs> I mean, Mickey, what was he like? What was it like when 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 Joel first arrived at Hartlepool? What memories have you got of, of, of the the Joel Porter arrival? To be honest, I was hugely disappointed if I'm going to be honest with you, because <laughs> yeah, I I'd played with an Australian national before at Middlesbrough, and Mark Schwartz was the goalkeeper. And obviously, Mark is six foot three, tan. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking yeah. all these Aussies are the same. They're going to walk in. He's going to have long hair. He's going to have <laughs> an in the whitest Australian I've ever seen. Uh, I was underwhelmed when I saw him. I was like, uh, nah. <laughs> He's lying. <laughs> He's not Australian. <laughs> I just, honestly, I remember that from the very first week in training, just thinking, just looking at him and just the effort he put in the training and his ability in training. I mean, we didn't know him as a person, then you can only go off what you see on the training pitch. You, you wouldn't see him much after because you didn't know him. Um, but you could just tell, you could just tell that he was going to fit in because of his, his work ethic, really, and the ability that came with that. Um, and then when you get to know him, you realise what, what, a, what a fantastic guy he is as well. And you put those two things together and it makes a fantastic person and player. How did you end up in Hartlepool then, Joel? Tell us the, the story. There was, a, <laughs> there was quite a convoluted sort of journey from... Yeah, look, I, I actually um, signed a pre-contract to play in Turkey. Right. In 2003. Uh, went over there for um, so a team called Gaziantep Sport. Um, so it went from my club here in Australia to, to there and pre-season, um, picked up an early injury and pretty much the club said, you're going. <laughs> so I'm pretty much, uh, at the time, I think the, the Iraq war was on. So Gazian Tepspor is about an hour, two hours from the Iraq border drive. So it was a bit in the middle of nowhere and... I was there by myself and obviously the, the missus had just had my little one, Chloe, and um, I was thinking anyway, geez, I can't bring the family here. It's, um, you know, it just wasn't, uh, it just wasn't suitable. I mean, if I was single and, and um, just traveling the world by myself and playing yeah. football, then, you know, might've been a, an opportunity to play, but um, it just ended up that, yeah, I copped an injury. They wanted me out. So I left, um, came to England um, went to uh, Wigan initially and stayed there for a good two, three weeks. Paul Jewell was the manager. Um, a couple of players who was there. Jimmy Bullard was was there at yeah. the time. They were in um, uh, the championship. Or it wasn't called the championship then. I think it was Div 1 back then. Yeah, yeah it was. Um, yeah. Uh, so they were there and, you know, I was training there and I was having a few issues um, with the visa and being able to play trial games and because um, yeah, a lot of teams at that stage were were becoming reluctant to play you under someone else's name. Um, 
Hartlepool weren't. We'll get to that. No, was not but, such, uh... <laughs> you and Dimmy were a different player every week, weren't you? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we, um, yeah, so it, it sort of became a little bit difficult. And then, um, you know, Sunderland were struggling at the time as well. So they were looking for a couple of players. And uh, I went up to Sunderland and I spent, I must have spent, I might have been just three, four days, maybe maybe five there. Um, and at the time, they were looking to sign a striker pretty quickly. Uh, and I did really well. I, I um, played in a trial game and um, set up a, a goal. Uh, who's the who's the striker that um, come and played for us later? Uh, blonde hair Proctor. from Sunderland. Michael Proctor. Proctor. Michael Proctor. Um, I set up Proctor for a goal. Um, Mick McCarthy was the coach at the time and um, the only problem is uh, there was another striker trialling at the time, Tommy Smith. I don't know if you remember him. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they were um, they went sort of his way. Mick, Mick pulled me into his office and went, uh, Joel, look, the, the chairman wants me to sign one player. Um, Tommy Smith's got Premier League experience. You've come from Australia. I don't know where you... <laughs> don't know who you are sort of thing. So he goes, you've done really well if you want me to... Um, pass on your name to anyone, you know, that's, uh, we will. And I went, no, nah, that's understandable. And um, I mean, Jason McAteer was there at the time, Phil Babb, I remember Phil Babb being there. They had, they'd only just sort of come down from the Premier League. So they, were, they still had some Premier League players there. Um, so that was, that was, for me, that was a good experience because that sort of showed me the, the sort of level you needed to get to uh, at the higher level. And, and sort of that I wasn't, you know, I wasn't one of the numbers. Yeah. You sort of get that feeling, okay, maybe I belong, not necessarily in the championship, but sort of somewhere around in the English football oh. league. Um, so that sort of happened. Then I got, that was sort of midweek. And then my agent, who was in Australia at the time, goes, oh, look, I want you to go to Plymouth. There's um, Phil, Sturridge, uh, Phil Sturridge was the Paul coach Sturridge. at the time. Paul Sturridge. Paul Sturridge. Um, they're looking, uh, they're looking for a player. So, all right, no worries. Where's Plymouth? Oh, you've got to get on a train for a seven and a half hour train ride. Are you, are you kidding me or what? <laughs> you taking the piss? Goes, no, no, you got to... I'll book the ticket, just get on the train and get there until the last stop because you can't go any further. <laughs> so I went there. Well, you're happy to fly 24 hours from Australia, but you'll not go seven hours yeah. on a... <laughs> at this stage, we got been I'd been away for a while, so I was starting to get a bit antsy. I was going to ask you that, Joel, and, and I'll stop you in the middle. Of it. Did it ever get to the point where you thought nothing's going to happen? Did it ever? Did you yeah. get to the point where you thought I'll, I'll just go home? Or yeah, that's it, pretty much after Plymouth. So I got to Plymouth and and played a trial game um, up front yeah, for them, um, and you know again did fine did pretty good and and then um I, sometimes you think some coaches maybe make excuses for not signing yet anyway um but paul come and said good things and he just said look if you're a left winger i'd sign you <laughs> but i'm you you came as a striker and i got plenty of strikers um so at that stage then that's when i went well why the hell is my agent sending me seven and a half hours on a train 
I've been away from the family. Meanwhile, like my daughter's only three, four months old. So starting to do all that. Got the missus, missing the missus and everyone else. Um, so that's when I rang after that. I said to my agent, look, book a ticket home, mate. I've, I've been here that long. I'm, you know, there's issues with the visa, obviously. Then, you know, I'm getting so close yet. No one's willing to take that jump. He goes, yeah, yeah, no problem. So anyway, next week, meanwhile, at, um, when I was at uh, Sunderland, Alan Ball took me for a couple of training sessions because he was involved with the club. And obviously Alan Ball was good mates with Martin Scott. Kevin, Kevin Ball. Kevin Ball, sorry. Yes, Kevin Ball. Yeah, I knew you'd get that. <laughs> I'm bad with names. Um, yeah, Kevin Ball. So he's good friends with um, Martin Scott. So in the meantime, he's mentioned to Scotty, We've got this white Australian. <laughs> Did all right. You, are you looking for a striker? And they said yes. Anyway, little notes to me, I didn't know where Hartlepool was. So my agent goes, oh, yeah, um, we got one more for you. I said, I'm done. I, I literally said, I'm done, mate. I've, mentally, I can't. Every time I... Because I wasn't... You know, if you're doing bad you could understand, but you know, as a player, you're doing, you're looking at other players and you're going, okay, I'm not any worse off or it just wasn't happening. And I said, look, mate, I'm done. I said, no. He goes, come on, one more. I said, all right, where is it? He goes, Hartlepool. I said, all right, well, I've never heard of that, but right, where is it? And he goes, do you know where Sunderland was? <laughs> yeah. He goes, about half an hour from there. I, I hung up on him. <laughs> I hung up on him. I didn't answer his call for about two hours, sat there in the in the uh, little bed and breakfast. Anyway, I eventually answered him. He goes, come on, mate, one more. Do me a favour. He goes, because the agent at the time had Dimi as well. Dimi Constantopoulos, the goalkeeper. Um, so <laughs> I went, he goes, uh, I've got a Greek goalkeeper there as well. Once you get there, you know, you'll, you'll have someone to stay with and... Um, you, you'll know one of the boys and all that. And I went, oh, you've got to be, I've got to think about this, man. You've got to be, because the flight was from London. So, you know, you're talking a two hour train ride compared to another seven and a half. So in the end, I went, all right, one more. So uh, that was uh, Saturday night. So Sunday morning, I caught the train, got off at Hartlepool, um, got a cab to Seton Carew, <laughs> the old bed and breakfast at Seton Carew there. Uh, got there and um, Dimmy was there, Ryan McCann was there. Uh, and yeah, and another young um, Australian Adelaide boy um, who was trialling at the time. He actually hurt himself. Adam, is it Adam? Van Dommel. Adam Van Dommel. Um, he's actually still playing here in the local leagues. So I see him every now and then. Um, he was there. So there was the four of us there and got there the Sunday night. And then on the Monday came the training and walked in. And um, <laughs> I remember like feeling very intimidated because the change rooms were really small at um, Maiden Castle there. Yeah. Um, so walking in and then there was no seats. So I remember just putting my bag in the shower area. <laughs> oh, Look at where we were. Where was the captain? Come on. That was probably um, having a cup of tea or coffee. <laughs> yeah. I, I just want to know how you turned down a club in Turkey because it was close to Iraq and then you were happy when you landed in Hollywood. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, 
maybe the war thing, mate. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I apologise yeah. if I wasn't very welcoming on that first year, Joel. I really do. <laughs> no, you do. Um, you sort of understand it as a player once once you get signed and and you're involved in because you know it, at the end of the day it's a business. Someone else comes in means someone's taking your job. Um, but you know once people earn the right and the respect and and all of that, like you said, Mick, if you come in and do the right things. Um, you know, most of the time the players turn and accept you and, and um, you know, want you to be part of the squad. But if, you, if you're not doing the right things, that's when I think you get a little bit alienated and get a little bit pushed to the side and it becomes more difficult. So for me, coming in with the right attitude and um, doing the right things, and like you said, you, you see me training hard, that, that just wanted to be my, um, uh, you know, my sort of background. I wanted to be known for that, that I'd work hard no matter what, you know, be there and, and do whatever I needed for the boys. And I sort of trained that Monday morning, I think it was with the Resdies, because you guys might have had a um you guys might have had a Tuesday game coming up. Right. Um, the senior side. Um and then there happened to be on the Monday night one of them um silly cup games where they put the resis in. Just right. a local Yeah, yeah the Durham um, not the yeah, not the Johnston Paint Trophy yeah, but one, but the Durham next Durham. one down. Yeah, the Durham, uh, Durham Challenge Cup, whatever it is. Um, so I went there and I played under, I think it was Philly Turnbull. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, be he got another mention. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we ended up winning 6 new. obviously. Um, uh, I set up Appleby, uh, Appleby young oh, yeah. Appleby. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, he scored a couple of goals. Um, Jack Wilkinson, was it Jack Wilkinson as well? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He scored a couple of goals and, and obviously I set a couple up and scored a couple. And, um, you know, Stevie, Tur um, Philly Turnbull got a ride up in the local rag. And <laughs> we, we were laughing <laughs> Who's at the this time. player? We, we were laughing at the time because I think, I think James Winter almost got a move on the back of Dimmy's uh, stretch in the reserve. Yeah, th th that's right. <laughs> that's right, because Dimmy was involved as well. Um, just, yeah, just so. going back to Apple that you mentioned there, Joel. Apple eventually, when he left football, he decided he wanted to be a plasterer. So when right. Hums was living up here at a, a cottage up at, um, on the way to concert uh, near Lanchester, he needed some plastering work doing. So he said, Apple, can you come up and do me plastering? So he, he went, didn't. Yeah, leave it with us. So Apple's come up and he plastered the whole front room. And Hums went, I walked in. I was like, Bloody hell, he's actually doing a good job. And he was quite taken aback. But then he realised there was no sockets. He'd plastered it. <laughs> <laughs> he just blasted everywhere. There's no sockets left in the house. <laughs> uh, that sums Appleby up, that, doesn't it? <laughs> That's brilliant. Can I, can I ask you all, I think people will be interested. You know, when you, you, the train's pulling into Hartlepool and you're getting in that taxi to Seaton Crew, what were your very first... Yeah. What, were your, what were your thoughts of the taxis taking you to Seaton Crew? I bet it wasn't, I bet this will be home. For the next six years, I'm sure that wasn't. But what were your first impressions? No, it was it was uh, it was about um, it was about October, so it wasn't yeah. sort of cold, cold. But it was you know it had a little, especially on the seafront there, it had a bit of a chill to it, the old wind. <laughs> um, and then going along, and <clears throat> you know it's obviously different to to the um, south of England, where um, you know the buildings and all that are obviously maybe a little bit newer and things like that but um to be honest i just i was concentrating on the football you know i really wanted to play in england um uh, and 
at the time it was like, okay, this is the last one. This is definitely the last chance. Yeah. So if it doesn't happen here, then, um, you know, I'll be going home and obviously find a club back home again. But, um, you know, the rest is history sort of thing. And it was probably one of the, now I look back, the best decision I ever made, you know, taking that train back up to, back up to Hartlepool. Joel, do you think we you having that sort of mentality that this is me last, I'm not really that bothered what happens type of thing and it maybe relaxed you a little bit and you thought, well, it's shit or bust really, isn't it? You know, I've got nothing to lose. Yeah. I, can, I can quite happily go there and if I don't get anything, I know I'm going home to, to the wife. Yeah, and definitely. And, and do you know what I mean? Do you think that had an impact on the way you, you well, how you train, how you played in the games and... Yeah, I think so. I think I think definitely. You know, there wasn't that. You know, okay, this is the be all and end all. And I'd sort of come to the conclusion that, you know, if this doesn't happen, then, you know, fine, we'll go back to Australia and you know, um, find a, an Aussie club. There would have been, wouldn't have been easy to get an Aussie club, but obviously I was established in Australia, so I would have I would have found something in the end. Um, uh, so yeah, I think that sort of maybe maybe showed in in the, the game when I played because, you know, there wasn't that stress, oh, I have to perform, I have to perform. It just sort of came natural. And I think maybe that's what Scotty and, and Coops um, sort of noticed that, you know, it, was, uh, it wasn't that tension there or over, over trying to overplay things. It, you know, everything I did, all the flicks and the turns and whatever I tried to do all came off, but it was all, you know, it, was, it wasn't stuff done under pressure. It was that, you know, the weight, the weight has sort of, sort of been lifted off the shoulders, you know, and that that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that's definitely helped me get, um, uh, helped me uh, show Coops and Scotty, you know, that my potential anyway. And Joel, how long, I mean, you know as well as anyone, Simors and definitely knows over the last few weeks how bad my memory is, but how long was it? From arriving until they offered you a contract that you were happy to sort of sign, how how long did that go on for? No, it was about it was only less than a week. Um, but um, the the club were the Hartlepool were the only club to um, give me the opportunity to try and get a visa. Right. So, so they were willing to wait. I had to wait eleven weeks. Oh right, okay. So that's why my first game was around late November, early December. Um, and Joel, I'd love to know how you sold that to the missus. Did you say like? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, it it sounds pretty bad the way it was, but you know, obviously we'd we'd already had a a, a kid, a child. Um, we were engaged, so we're already planning to have a wedding in in uh, SA. But um, you know, before I met uh, Kirsty, you know, we uh, I was already in the throes of semi professional football here in Australia and you know I pretty much said look this is my life I really want to push forward on it you know I'm going to have to sometimes spend time away so um, you know we were together maybe 12-18 months and then I had to move to Victoria for two years anyway so we were you know we were apart for a little bit there um, that's when we got engaged not long after obviously we had Chloe um, so you know it, it was sort of the next progression anyway it just had to be fast-tracked for me to progress in football um, and you know and the, the only other good thing for me is she was English so she didn't mind coming to England to live she had yeah. family here she knew the country um, you know she was excited to come 
Um, the only drawback for her was she had to marry me to get here <laughs> 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 to get back to Hartlepool. So, um, ever since. Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> she reminds me every morning, mate. Don't worry about that. But uh, yeah, so I, they said uh, we want to sign you. So that was, I thought great. And then my agent told me, um, you know, you got to fly back to Australia. Um, get your visa and then you've got to get married sort of thing. So um, when was it? I think the, who'd we play that first game? Uh, it was Peterborough. No, no, it wasn't Peterborough. Red team. Uh, on, on your debut? Yeah. Swindon. Was it Swindon? Mm-hmm. You're testing me now. I should have looked that up. Where you should have, that should have been Jack Wilkinson. Yeah, mate, you're not doing your work again. Surprise, surprise, eh? <laughs> no wonder uh, I, yeah, I reckon it was, I reckon it was Swindon because uh, Jack it was, Wilkinson it was played. Swindon. Definitely Swindon, Joel. I, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> you good Wilson memory, mate. Oh, the, the, the goal near the end to make it 2-0. Yes. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so prior to that weekend, I uh, on the sad day, I flew back to Australia. Got my visa stamped in Canberra. Pretty much had no sleep. Flew back to England. Arrived on the Monday. Um, got everything signed, sealed, delivered. Signed the contract by the Wednesday. And Coops wanted me to play on the Saturday. Um, and then, the, and yeah, the rest is history. I did okay that game. And then, you know, we had the FA Cup against Burton Albion the following week. Um, and then, you know, Tink's set one up for me on the on the platter and it was just the tapping and you know from there that's you know pretty much uh how the my Hartlepool side sort of started and then um that first six months was really difficult it was a really good start obviously but then the transition of <clears throat> football 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 you know training every day sometimes two games a week you know that's we my body and my mental side of the of football wasn't prepared for that, um, which I, when I look back is probably why I was sort of in and out of the team that first six months, um, because you'd you'd have highs and then lows, and um, was, was, there was sort of a reputation I think around you at the time, Joel, of you being almost unselfish to the point where it was costing you. Do you know what I mean? There was times where people were saying, "Why hasn't he had a shot there? He's tried to find a team there." and and it wasn't until possibly, you know, later in that season that something just clicked with you and then it all just went went, went from there, didn't it? We all yeah, thought that's... That the shooting was crap. That's what we thought it was. It just <laughs> well, it wasn't, you know, in training, you only had Dimmy and Jim Provert in goal, mate, so it was easy. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, during games, we actually had proper goalkeepers we had to do. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, this, that was always part of my game. I, always, I was just very unselfish. And I, you're right, I had to sort of get my mindset out of that mm-hmm. because, you know, to... To be um, to be better in the English game, and especially, yeah, you had to be selfish at times, you know. And it wasn't you had to find that balance where you were selfish, but still, you know, a good team player. And and finding that balance, I think, took me, like you said, a good couple of months, um, six months. And then the turning point was that <clears throat> that Bristol City goal in the in the playoffs. You know, that's the playoffs over there. You know, it, everyone asks. It's hard to explain what the feelings like. You know, it's it's really difficult to. It's just a different type of game. 
and when you when you do something in those games, people like never forget them. You know, it's people that have been at that game. I've I've got a young lad um, who coaches with me at Flinders Flames. He's from Hartlepool. Right. So I met I met him coaching against him, and he goes, "Are you Joel Porter?" I said, "Yeah, <laughs> yes." He goes, uh, oh, I've got a shirt here. I want you to sign it. <laughs> and he pulled out a Hartlepool shirt. And at the end of a game, it was a, it was an under-15 girls game, my daughter's game. Um, he goes, oh, I've, I've moved here. I'm you know, lifelong Hartlepool fan. Can and now he's coaching with me. Um, but he remembers. He was at that game. You know, He remembers all of those. And he, he brings up moments that I sometimes forget. So, <clears throat> um, yeah, it was just a... You talk about the enormity of that goal and people remember it. I mean, I, I remember, and I, I think I probably said this to you before, but it's one of my big memories is I went out for a couple of beers after the game, celebrated, we got a decent result in the end against Bristol. And, and I saw you in, I think it was Yates in Hartlepool, and there were people, there were grown men queuing up to just talk to you and give you a cuddle and yeah. tell you how much it yeah. meant to them that you'd got that goal and, and kept us in the time. Yeah. yeah, I didn't pay for a drink that night. It was good. <laughs> 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 Never <laughs> come on now. <laughs> Name's not Sweens or Humps. Come on. <laughs> to be honest, Joel, Simo put a, a thing on, on Twitter today. I think it was a YouTube thing, wasn't it? When, mm. And you mentioned the tapping that the things give you a burden, but there was some unbelievable strikes on and goals where you think, it, I mean, I can't remember them, but like <laughs> some unbelievable goals that you scored in your time. Well, it was it's funny you should say that because. Um, you know, when I left, I got Mark to organise a, a DVD of all my goals for Hartlepool. Um, and that was fantastic. He did that. And uh, oh, we were just talking the other day because my, my middle boy, Jake, he's 13 now. He, so he's obviously wanting to go play further and he's talking about some of his goals. And I went, all right, mate, I've got a DVD for you. <laughs> <laughs> so he come sit down, put the DVD on. I said, now here's some goals. Look at this. And it was funny because we were we were watching it, and as it was happening, I was telling them what was happening before it happened. Yeah. yeah, just absolutely remembered it all. Pretty much, you know the like you'd only see my goal, but I'd remember the end score of the game and who scored in the other goals. And you know, I couldn't tell you now, but just seeing the footage, it would just click who we were playing, who we won, you know, where we were playing, who we what the score was at the end of the game, half-time, all those things. It's funny, Joel, because I was, I was watching some videos, well, on YouTube with my boys the other day, and obviously they're, they're just goals. And they were like, Dad, how come the only time we ever see it is when you constantly goal? I was like, well, <laughs> I didn't score many, but I didn't go up and celebrate either when the lads scored. And they were like, why not? I said, well, I just couldn't be bothered to run all the way. And the time I got there, they were normally yeah, finished. run back. I had to run back. I used to just turn around and probably like high five Dimmy or whoever yeah, was Dimmy, yeah. like, but like, that's the most enjoyable part of it. And you couldn't even enjoy that because the, the goals are like miserable get as it is. And I was like, I just thought I used to just think, well, I'll just get myself sorted back here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you had other jobs, mate. You were you were uh, trying to make sure that we can didn't concede a minute later, mate. That was your. That well, was honestly, your some, of, some of the goals, and that you see, you look back at them and you think. There's so many that just go top corner, top corner, top corner, and fantastic, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, you don't you don't sort of remember it like that at the time, but you know that's obviously why it's a good little DVD because you can reminisce and you know you look at one game and then you can think about 
some of the stuff that happened in training prior to that you, and all sorts of memories just come back you know it's, yeah it's good times you, you mentioned obviously you're going in the dressing room on the first day and and and, and there's that sort of the the tension of that situation but it, you very quickly became a big part of the team spirit that they had at the time because it was it was a, a big factor in the success wasn't it yeah well, i mean obviously the the first week i was there it was you know trying to find out who's who and all of that but i think the second week we had a we had a day out on the tuesday <laughs> i reckon um and pretty much got invited to that and <laughs> there was a few pints and a, a few um eight ball games and by the end of that you know we were like best mates <laughs> it was uh it was pretty much back to and you felt at home you know because you're right there wasn't there wasn't one bad bloke in that squad. So Joel, you know, uh, who, you know, when you walked in that dressing room, Wesley told me a story. It was only years later that he actually confessed because me and Wesley roomed together for probably yeah. five or six years, like yeah. really, really. Yeah, yeah. Cool. And I said, you know, what were your first impressions? A bit like you there. What were your first impressions? He said, well, I looked around the change room and I saw you and I thought. I'll sit right next to him. And I was like, oh, cheers, mate. Is it because I was friendly? And he went, no, it's because you were skinhead. And I thought, if anyone's going to be a racist, it'll be you. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's nice. I was like, that's how our friendship started because you thought I was a racist. Oh, that's brilliant. So who, 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 just when you walk, when you walk in the dressing room, like the first week, there's obviously a lot of characters in that dressing room. Yeah. Like your first impressions of certain people, who do you think I've got to keep an eye on him or he's a joke that I need to, I need to be aware of? Um, no, there wasn't really anyone that stood out. I was, to be honest, when I walked in, I, I didn't make eye contact with anyone. I sort of <laughs> just shuffled to the side and went to where the showers were and put my bag. I just, you know, that, that was my personality anyway, especially if I didn't know you. Um, once I got to know you, obviously, I came out of my shell a bit. But, um, yeah, there, there wasn't anyone that sort of sort of attracted my eye, if you know what I mean. But, um, you know, it, it, once training started and all that, and um, obviously travelling in with the big Greek, Dimmy, um, we, you know, we got a pretty good friendship going. And, um, you know, we, we became pretty good friends during our Hartlepool time. So... Um, it was good to have him in him there as well. Um, that sort of helped us at, at the initial stages as well. Yeah, I think that that obviously formed a, a, a fantastic friendship between the periods. But I think you had a decent car school as well with a couple others in it at times. I think who else was in the car school that used to share? <laughs> You're not going to bring up my car, are you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that where you're going, Mickey? <laughs> the Daewoo, come on, man. That was the best car, the Daewoo. That was the Daewoo. Oh, mate, I was... reckon that you bought it for three grand and sold it for three. Good old John Bracker, mate. He's killing me. 99% I lost. 99%. What was the story? <laughs> well, obviously, uh, my first contract at Hartlepool wasn't awesome so you know i wasn't able to go out and get uh you know a fancy little car so i had to sort of get whatever a sponsor could give us um and a sponsor i still had to pay for it by the way um and <laughs> it cost me three it cost me three grand i'm probably only worth 500 at the time but um it cost me three grand and 
I don't even know if it lasted six months, 12 months. I just remember one way on, on the way to training one day. Luckily, I was by myself. Um, managed to be by myself. I broke down and I thought, oh, shit, I'm going to be late. And late meant fines. So I was panicking. I'm thinking, oh, no. And if you if you miss a whole training session, it's like 100 quid or something like that. And I'm just, oh, God, here we go. So I'm trying to ring boys around and ringing, uh, rang Trigger and said, oh, Trigger, have you left yet? He goes, no, 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 we're just about around around the roundabout. I said, oh, good, because I'm on the left-hand side. The car's broken down. He goes, yeah, yeah, no worries. And obviously, Westy pulled up with Trigger and I jumped in, in with them and um, got to training and then obviously had to buy a new car because I was devastated the day we had gone. But, you know, I'm thinking, oh, you know, I'll get... I'll get 500 quid for it. That's all right. No worries. The bloody tow truck comes. Oh, yeah, we'll take it away off your hands for 30, 30 pounds. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> I went, all right, just take it, mate. Just take it. I'll tell you, Mark, I'll tell you why he had no money. The real reason he had, it wasn't anything to do with his contract. It was the West his mate was selling, like, <laughs> a jewel board. One in every colour going, so every day in training, you should come with fair shorts, one Dutch t shirt, next year, fair <laughs> different The Von Dutch used to be in a different colour. They were black with a, a yellow, a pink, a blue. Oh, it was funny. <laughs> Good times, man. Good was your wardrobe? That was, my, that was my best wardrobe, man. <laughs> there, wasn't a, there wasn't a week gone by where my clothes weren't hung up. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, they just hang them up in the change rooms. So what, what are you wearing, mate? <laughs> we had the worst gear at the time, Mark. Whoever and someone would get them, put them on a, a cord hanger and hang them up on, underneath the ceiling. I would get one of the mannequins we used, <laughs> the free kids around and put it around the mannequin. And you know what I mean. So Jules was often quite there, uh, hanging from a the ceiling. Like, a bit like if, if you wore that top into the change rooms, Mark, that you're wearing now. Then you'd know how I feel like every, every training session. But that was part of the banter. Yeah. Everyone, you know, everyone walked in with a new pair of jeans. Whoever did, those pair of jeans went up there, no matter how much they spent on them. Though. Yeah, it, got, it got to a point where, I mean... Um, you you were ahead of the game, Joel. No one was wearing anything to do you. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you why, why am I going to spend a hundred pounds when they get strung up there anyway, man? I might as well spend five. <laughs> I remember years later, Joel. There was a, we had a lad called Colin Larkin, and um, oh. Larkin was injured quite a bit, so he used to play tricks on people. And he only told me this after everyone found out. Every day for a couple of months, he took one sock off someone. <laughs> Put, cut it up so he left one and he put the other one in the bottom of his bag where his boots were and the yeah. lads couldn't work out who was doing it <laughs> and he opened up the bottom of his boot bag and he just it was just full of people's socks and people were like that's, that's not that on that bag trying to pick them out well it's that's just the sort of thing that goes on in the dress room isn't it he was yeah it is, it is Mark Larks I remember did you remember you can remember he did the Nathan Luscombe he uh can you are we still on yeah yeah, I am. Mixed run. Um, Nathan Luscombe was a, a player for us. He um, he strapped, he padlocked a mannequin to his jeans. 
<laughs> and he couldn't get it off. So Nathan Luscombe had to open his car window and hang the mannequin outside his car window and drive home with it. <laughs> drive home. Because he couldn't oh, do that. <laughs> well, it was one of them things where, you know, if you reacted badly, then it would just keep happening to you, mate. So, yeah. you, you know, you, you had to go. And it was just part of the banter of the team. And, you know, that was something that we got to talk about after training, think, before training, all those things. Yeah, I think the good thing with that group of people and, and even the staff to an extent that it was spread around, yeah. it wasn't the same people that got mm. sort of ticked on it, like it was... One day it might be Joel next day, it'll be Holmes next day, it'll be Tink. So it was, yeah. it was spread around the group and it wasn't done in, in a nasty way where it's like, oh, it's me again. It's like it was, and, and I think that it summed up the group that everyone was happy to, to get involved in, in the pranks yeah, and yeah. just take it on the chin, basically, and just accept it. Yeah, absolutely. All the senior boys got it as well. So it wasn't just segregated to the new lads or the ones that are the fringes or anything like that. It didn't matter whether you were young or old or played 200 games. Um, you know, you were you were susceptible to getting stuff done to you, that's for sure. <laughs> and that spirit has obviously served you well, didn't it? Oh, yeah, you obviously keep in touch still now. Your, your regular summer trips to, to Magaluf and things like that were obviously <laughs> kept plenty of memories still on. Yeah, well, we've got memories, just can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Sure, it was a, a lot of good times. Place about uh, the the broken chair we had remember when we had that broken chair but again it just it it sort of solidified our our group didn't it at the time that yeah that we were happy to, to socialize together and even at the end of the season we were happy to spend time with each other and and those three or four days we just laughed and laughed and laughed and some of the best memories you know well. There wasn't a trip where we didn't have, you know, 18, 20 blokes. Yeah. You know, there's, you know, we'd go there and other teams would go there and there'd only be three or four from each team. You know, we, we were at Dakar and we had a, a strong squad of 20. You know, it was, it was like a training session, except it, it, it was drinking. Yeah. I remember, I remember being down in Dakar and I think it was Coops was there. So Coops and Muzzer had come, I think. Yeah, <laughs> that's what right. were doing the drinking games. And you had to do a yeah. fourth. One of the forfeits was that if you lost, you had to go and put your head in a wheelie bin. So your feet That's was right. Out. So Coops and Muzzer turned up as Icy, he'd lost. So he had to, Icy was jumping in his wheelie bin. <laughs> Who the hell's that idiot over there? What? That's one of your players, mate. Funny. Well, well, my first trip. Um, obviously, I was you know excited. So the first night, you know, lots of drinking. Didn't get back till you know six, seven o'clock in the morning. Um, and we had rules. You had to be at the place by a certain time. Otherwise, you had to do a forfeit. Anyway, I wasn't at the place at a certain time, so got back. I think it had to be there at 11. I got there at 11.30, and as I got there, I had a, you know, triple scotch waiting for me. <laughs> and, and you had to down it. And to be honest, that was the best thing that ever happened because the, the hangover certainly left once that happened. You know, I was, uh, I was back half cut and ready to get on it again. Before we go on, Joel, have you seen the effort I've made here? What is it? It's a rug. Surfboard? Oh, that's not a surfboard. That's a boogie board. Yeah, well, it's, well, I'm either going to have a full surfboard in the garden. Well, you can't call it a surfboard. Well, it's, it's the best I've got. 
It's a bodyboard. Bodyboard. I like it though. Where do you <laughs> use that? In the paddling pool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. The little girl we went we went surfing last year and all day. We brought them home. So she, oh, okay, yeah. She was actually in the bath yesterday, and for some reason she woke up wanting to be a surfer. I don't know whether your influence. <laughs> <laughs> so we got, I can't surf, mate. We've got a blue rug in the front room. So I, I put the rug down and uh, put the surfboard on the rug, put YouTube on. She's so gone, Dad, I want to see, like, girls my age surfing so I can learn from them. I was like, no bother. So in YouTube, being a bit naive, I put young girls surfing. <laughs> Their young girls surfing is like 18, 19, 20-year-olds with, a, like, bikinis up the bottom. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, I hope Nicky doesn't walk in here because he's not going to believe <laughs> But yeah, so she's, for some reason she's been a surfer the last two days. So. Oh, okay. Very good. Just just to finish on the whole uh, Magaluf scene, Joel, I know that you, you said the first year was a particularly tough school for you and it, 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 paid, it, it paid itself, uh, it made it difficult for you on the journey home, didn't it? Yeah, that was a tough, tough journey home. I uh, look at the time because we go through stages each each year. You have a different drink, but that year was vodka Red Bull. Um, so we were just well. I was drinking gallons of vodka Red Bull, mate. You know, you're buying it by the pint. Um, you know, by and I reckon we stayed five days that year, Skip. Yeah, man. Might even might even been a bit of a longer one. I didn't um, drink five beers of vodka Red Bull. <laughs> yeah, well, I did with the occasional uh, triple scotch chucked in. Um, so yeah, so you know, by the end of it, you were, you know, I was pretty much green um, from the vodka Red Bull and uh, the plane. I just remember throwing up in the airport in in Mangaluf, thinking, "Oh shit, they're not going to let me on." <laughs> um, <laughs> Going to the toilet, I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to miss the bloody the flight, the cook the boarding. So I got on the plane, and then you know, pretty much the whole way home, I was throwing up in a sick bag, <laughs> making noises. Westy does the noises the best. I remember. And, uh, I remember. I think me and Westy were sat behind you, and we decided to tie your shoelaces to the seat. What <laughs> <laughs> <That> was you? <laughs> Yeah, so we tied his shoelaces to the seat and he tried to get up and go to the toilet and he just went, whoa, but he had a stick bag in front of him. Oh, 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 the whole plane was creased up. It was, mate, it was good times. I, like, I had no idea, man. I was thinking, what's going on? Why can't I get up? What's what's the go here? Um, but that's the thing, it was... Go on, sorry. It was, you know, it didn't whether it was me or someone else. If whoever else was feeling bad like that, they would have got the same treatment, you know. And um, you sort of learn from your mistakes. So the next year, I wasn't on the last night. I wasn't quite as bad. <laughs> you had to learn that, Joel, not to go all out on the last night. <laughs> yeah, I, I had some bad influences. I had uh, who do I have? Boyd, Sweens. <laughs> Them boys who, who um, at the time, certainly didn't uh, put their foot on the brake. Yeah, I remember, we, we used to go to Magaluf, so like, I remember going with Ben Clark, so we'd get picked up, Clark, his dad used to drop us off at the airport. You'd have to be at the airport for like eight and a half years. So we were like, yeah. I hadn't slept much the night before, because it's like, oh, come on, we want to Excited, get Excited, yeah. Like, we'd get to the airport, me and Clark, he would be like, right, come on, paint. And then these lot would turn on from Hartlepool, and one, one year they had a limo, 
turned up. And we got out and they were absolutely steaming. And Mordo. We won a maggle off for five years. And <laughs> <laughs> drunk. I reckon we were at the. There might have been a Thursday night at um, what it used to be called in Hartlepool. Thursday night. Oh, used to be a, yeah, I reckon Chicago Rock. Fifteen quid, all you can drink. I reckon yeah. it might have been that before we we um, travelled on the Friday. We <laughs> ended up. Oh mate, good times, man. Good times. Going back to the more serious stuff, then obviously coming back after that first season, you've scored the goal against Bristol City, and then obviously things haven't gone as we wanted in the playoffs, but we come back and and replicate that and more the next season, 2004-05, where we end up getting it. I mean, that was just an unbelievable season for you on a personal note, but for the yeah. team as well. Yeah, that sort of um, yeah, gave, <laughs> sort of brought me to the the fans at Hartlepool that year. You know, it, uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't an easy start to the year because I remember starting and doing okay and then getting dropped mm-hmm. um, and, you know, spending four or five, six weeks out the team and, you know, on the bench on occasions and, you know, travelled to Oldham thinking I was in the squad and, um, you know, get there and and uh, Coops doesn't even uh, call my name out. I was looking at the kit man, uh, Darky, this Darky, yeah, yeah. Right? the kit man. Yeah. I remember looking at him and he looked at me and, you know, just shook his head and, and went, no, I've not got your, your kit ready for you, mate. And that was a tough time. I remember thinking then, geez, okay, maybe, you know, maybe it's things aren't going the way I thought it was going and, and all of that. And, um, uh, I didn't, I didn't think it was by pulling you for the commentary that day, did I? No, <laughs> no, mate. No, <laughs> no we, and I think we, we in a, I remember Betsy. Betsy Be- Kay, he, oh, yes, I remember. Yeah, Kevin Betsy. He, uh, he was with us at the time and then he left and went to Oldham and, Pretty much that day, he he scored two or three goals that day, and I think we ended up losing five one or five two um, at Oldham. But uh, the, the next game we played Doncaster at home, and that pretty much turned my season and and career around at Hartlepool because I started on the bench. We were one nil down, and me and Jack Ross came on at the same time, and um, he put a cross in. I scored a header. I remember and, yeah. Uh, uh, and then Matty Robson put a ball in behind and, and I chipped the keeper sort of thing. Um, and we ended up winning 2-1. And pretty much from that time, that's when Coops had a bit more faith in me. And, you know, I might have an off game, but he'd still play me sort of thing. So um, yeah. that's sort of when when the, the it, it turned for me. I remember you saying before when we chatted that that was one of your, your favourite goals, I suppose, for the, the Doncaster goal, the second one particularly. Yeah, the second one. Yeah, that was that was a good feeling. That one. Yeah, because I I had a bit to prove that game because I wasn't happy that I was sitting on the bench either and not being part of the squad. And you know the boys were fantastic as well because they you know they celebrated really hard. They knew they obviously felt for me um, in that situation as well. So it was um, yeah, it was just good times. And then the season just rolled on, and <clears throat> you know the game against Sheffield Wednesday in the playoff final. You know, it's again, it's one of them things you can't explain to people, mate. You know, I always tell people I'm, you know, I'm Aussie as Aussie, but when that national anthem was being played, I wanted to sing it. Yeah. You know, it's you know, just it's just a weird, weird feeling and a great feeling. It's stuff you're never going to forget. That season, though, when we went when we went to Cardiff, Joel. I mean, that season, one of its 
famous points was the partnership that you struck up with Adam Boyd. It was just almost like you, I mean, there's partnerships all over the field, but you two, you seem to know where each other were going to run every single day, every single game. Yeah, no, well, you know, we even played some reserve games together before because Boydie was in the same boat. He was sort of in and out the squad prior to that year as well. Um, so in the resis the year before, uh, you know, we we played a, a fair bit in the resis together um, when he come back because he went on loan somewhere, didn't he? Boston, Boston or yeah. yeah. And then when he came back, we were, um, you know, we were together uh, in a few games in the resis, and then it, you know there was always a good good understanding there. But it sort of just grew, and um, I think if you if you look at that season, and you know, Bordy scored close to thirty goals. I scored, I think, fourteen. Yeah. Um, you know, out of those 44, 45 goals, the combination would have been at least two thirds in some aspect. Yeah. You know, whether he was playing me or <laughs> I was playing him in, or you know, the, it, it was just I was making a run for him to be able to receive it, or he ma- he'd make a run and then I'd get it, you know, off someone else. And it, it, we just sort of knew if he went one way, I'd go the other. And to be fair, I think the lads the lads playing sort of knew as well, you know, it's made it easy. They knew they could play a ball and, you know, that it would stick or if they played into me, Boyd would make a run and vice versa. So, yeah. yeah, I was, I was going to say that, Joel, I mean, especially for the lads at the back and especially for me, if there wasn't sort of anything on or we hit like a channel ball just to get them turned, nine times out of 10, you would turn it into a half decent ball. Do you know what I mean? You were willing to to do that side of it. I mean, Boydie, uh, not as much, but no. you were so selfish, uh, unselfish in your running that you would turn a lot of balls that sometimes would even go out for a goal kick or for a throw yeah. in. You would keep all of the ball and then your link up would come from there. So you were an absolute dream for us at the back because if if you've got someone like you playing against you, it's a nightmare because they never give you a second. They're always closing you down, always trying to put you under pressure. And we just used yeah. to think, oh, well, we'll just put it in a channel sometimes and Joel will turn it into a good ball. And like you say, we were confident if the ball went up there, that there would probably be a chance come from that. And yeah. then there was when we wouldn't score them all, but there would be a little lingo, a little trick, a little flick. And it was absolutely brilliant. And sometimes you would just be playing and think, we'll get them the ball and we'll score goals. Yeah. It's a great situation yeah. to be. Yeah, I think that's uh, <clears throat> that's what it was. You know, that that was my game, getting into those areas and chasing them down and... <clears throat> Boydie's game was getting it to his feet and let him do his work in that scenario. So we sort of had those two mm. assets, if you want to call them assets. Yeah. Um, and it made it good for our the boys, obviously, wanting to play us and, um, you know, made it difficult for oppositions to defend, you know. And, and although they were assets for us, you know, I could also link up play and Boyd could run in behind as well. So we, we had that option to switch and swap as well. But um, obviously the... We sort of knew our role, you know. I sort of knew that 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 was my thing, to sort of get in behind and make those runs and make it difficult, um, you know. And, and and there was a lot of trust that, you know, I'd make the run that Mickey would play it, or uh, the left back Matty Robson at the time would 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 play it, or uh, Bracker or even Hunts when he went back there. You the, you know, you had the trust that if you made the run, they would put that ball in that situation for you. So it made it easy to make the run. That's for sure. I think I was watching some of the goals the other day, just of that season, really. And some there's some brilliant goals, you know, balls from midfield, from Tinks, 
into strikers, little one twos, little giving yeah. balls around the goal, little combinations. And, and you look and you think, no wonder the fans enjoyed it because there really is some cracking football being played against some good players and 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 the 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 the, the grounds full. And they're coming expecting to see some quality football, which luckily enough, more times than not, they got. But the quality of some of the goals that season was was fantastic. Yeah, we just said it. We had a good balance all over, all over the squad. You know, we had obviously Strack in the midfield, who was that, you know, um, steadier and and ran the midfield. Tanks, who would be able to play them balls, and you know, Swings, the box to boxer. You know, I remember being out wide and and not even thinking and knowing. You know, if it went out wide, I'd cross. Swings would be in there, along with whatever other striker. You know, you didn't have to even think. You knew that Swings would be making that run. You know, we had um, Butler out wide on the right, um, Humps on the left. So we had. Sorry, that's my alarm. Um, so we had. Um, you know, we just had good balance, and then we had the boys that, you know, the squad boys that would come in and and fill those roles, like Trigger when when someone was injured or. Um, the young boys, Stephen Eistead, and you know, we just had Bracker, um, Clarky playing as well. You know, we just we Westy at the back. We just had good players all over, um, and not just good players, just good people. You know, and, and that made it so enjoyable to play. How frustrating was it, Joel, on the back of Cardiff, and, and obviously the club getting to the pinnacle of where we thought we were going to get to, and then wanting to build on it. Not just for you as, you know, just not just for the club, but for you personally, the next couple of seasons were quite testing, weren't they? Yeah, for me personally, because I, I actually did my knee in the, in the um, Sheffield Wednesday game, uh, not knowing it. but um, So that's pretty much why I came off. I did, I tore my meniscus. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, a mis- meniscus is an easy fix, um, but I had three operations on it because the... Two times the doctor didn't get it right. Um, so, you know, that sort of killed my next season. Um, on the back of that, you know, we, there was so much expectation that we would make the top six again, if not automatic promotion because um, of the boys that we brought in and the year we had previously. And things just didn't go anyone's way that year. It was just a real difficult year. No matter how hard we tried, nothing went, nothing went for us. Um, on the injury front, on the, you know, the boys, and it was frustrating for me because you, you want to go out there and help and play and do your best. And, you know, you, you go on to each game and you watch and you can see the boys and you know, obviously you know them, so you know they're trying their hardest to, to get out of this rut, but it just didn't matter what they did. Nothing would, nothing would turn, you know. And, and when we did win, it was, it was just so hard to get that win that we couldn't get it back to back. You know, it was just one of those things where we worked so hard to get one win because things weren't going right for us that, you know, by the time we got to the next game, we were mentally and physically frazzled. And, um, you know, you don't notice it at the time, but when you look back and you think about it, it just, you know, it was just a difficult year that year. It just didn't work for us. And yeah, it was just a difficult season for everyone, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, even even staff, backroom staff, um, people in the office. You know, just it, just nothing went right for us that year, and um, it, it's a shame because we we had the makings of maybe you know making that next step. I think, you know, when I look at it, we look at the year we played Bristol City. You know, in the second leg, we were one 0 up till yeah. 
yeah. we had things go against us 10 minutes you, yourself mickey got knocked out and had to be replaced um you know while we're trying to replace you we can see the goal it's and then two minutes later they score the winner you know 10 minutes from the championship you know westy gets sent off these things sort of went you know if 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 it went the other way, you know, we would have been in the championship for sure. Um, so, you know, there's, it was just that, I guess that feeling that, not that we, we knew that we were going to sort of make it that year, but we had the opportunity with the players and the squad we had to, to have more of a successful year. Just nothing went right. You know, we had key injuries. Bordy got injured that year as well. Um, so, you know, me and Bordy out both with a knee, you're talking, you know, from the previous year, 40 goals, you know, that that's hard to make up in, in a season, but, um, you know, the boys tried hard. I think we fought to the end. Um, you know, we, we, we obviously had a few issues with the, the runnings of things and, and the coaches and things like that. But, you know, I, I look back and sometimes feel a little bit sorry for Scotty as well because it was his first gig and that's the, that was a tough year to be a first-year manager. Absolutely. But that's just sometimes the way it goes, isn't it? It's, Moving on from there, obviously the club bounced back in 6 7 um, But again, yeah. you were sort of battling with the injuries a, a little bit as well. It wasn't yeah. it was the back end of the season where you came good again. But then once you got back fit towards the end of that season, I remember you saying to me, it was... It was as fit as he'd ever felt. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that promotion year was another good year. Good feeling. We got the feeling back at the club. Yeah. Um, it was different. It was, it was still tough. It was still, you know, we were still battling to get the wins and um, fighting for the, for the whole year to get that promotion. But I think in the end, we deserved it. I, I picked up another knee injury on the other leg in about October, November, I think it was. Maybe November. Um, and then that set me out until I think it was March yeah. before I even got back. So me, myself, I didn't have much of an impact that year. Um, but, you know, we had good quality. Richie Barker came in, scored loads of goals. Andy Monkhouse came in. Um, they helped us get promotion with, with all the, the boys around us. And, um, you know, that was, that was a good year. And we, we sort of got ourselves back to... Because we had a, we for me we had a League One squad still, um, so it was, it's not easy to go down and bounce back up. So it, it sure it sort of showed the quality that we had, um, and then yeah, just starting to rebuild my fitness. And then the next year, um, that was a tough year for me because that that was I was fit, strong, ready to play, wanting to play, and and you know in Danny Wilson's mind he um, he had it that I was uh, you know the the third string striker um, at the time. Um, so my, my role was pretty much on the bench. And when someone was injured or suspended, that's when I would start. And once the other two strikers came back, they pretty much played. Um, I can't remember the the other striker. He was from Tranmere. Can you remember him, Mick? Ian Moore. Um, Ian Moore. That's him. Yeah. Because he's Ronnie Moore's son, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Is it Ronnie? Yeah. He wasn't there yeah. very long, was he? He didn't. He didn't. He didn't settle. No, he was just there for the twelve months. Um, and uh, it's funny because that year I actually, um, in about January, February, I actually pulled Danny Wilson and said, "Oh, look, let me go back to Australia, mate. You obviously, you're not playing me, which is fine. That's that's great." Um, 
I want I've got interest from Australia. There's there's a couple of teams that want me back there. Do you, can you let me go? And Russ, I pulled Russ as well, um, uh, the director. Um, yeah. I forgot his last name. Russ Green, yeah. Russ Green, yeah. Um, I got uh, I pulled them together and said, look, you know, it's it's frustrating for me. I can't just be in this position. Do you mind if I go? And they were like, yeah, if you can go, go. But at the time, I don't, I don't know if you were aware, Mick, but I, I think I come and spoke to you about it. But I, I, um, the chairman wouldn't let me go because yeah. I was on a contract, yeah. and I had, I had that, um, yeah. I had that clause where the clubs got the option to keep me on. Um, and actually, I, I wrote a heartfelt letter to the chairman and said, "Look, you know, I'm, I'm from Australia. I'm not getting a, a go here. Um, I've got interest at home." I've now got the two kids, so you know I'm just looking at maybe going back and um, you know in the end the chairman made a good decision uh, because the following year I had a really good year again. Um, but at the time I was, you know, it, it was a difficult time for me because it didn't matter what I did, I'd come on and score a goal um, and think, okay, beautiful, I'm going to start the next week, and it would be the same situation. You know, it and Looking back at it, being a manager now, obviously Danny had his idea of who would be his strongest squad, and um, but at the time it was it was really difficult. And um, to be fair to Danny, the the following year he, well, I don't know. If, to be fair to him, it's I obviously had to prove myself that I was, you know, I had to make it that he had confidence in me. Yeah, so that's what I had to do. So that preseason, uh, my last year, I. You know, worked as hard as I could, did everything the best I could, trial games, all of that. And pretty much before the start of the season, Danny pulled me and goes, um, I can't believe your attitude. You know, I know you wanted to go back. The chairman yeah. said no. Most other players would have chucked their toys and their dummy out and, um, you know, wouldn't have done anything. But you've knuckled down, done the right things, tried to get fit, tried being patient. Um, and he rewarded me and he started me that year and um, my last year I think I, I ended up scoring 24 or 23 league that goals that year. Out, wasn't it? Yeah. How did you find so the mental uh, toughness then Joel uh, to, to think well not to, not to wilt and just say oh, he's not playing me I'm, I'm, I'm not being allowed to go home you know bollocks to that that's what, that's what I tell all the young boys I coach now mate it's not, it's not your ability <laughs> because there's lots your ability is the same as everyone else mate. It's, it's that mental toughness on being able to uh, take the knocks you know and it's not just one knock you know your knock might last for 12 months like it did with me you know are you going to be one to go right well that's it and move on yeah I tried that but I wasn't allowed so I had to find the next best thing for me. And the next best thing was to knuckle down and try and get my spot back. Um, and, th and that's the hard thing. And then obviously at the end of 2008, as you said, you had an unbelievable um, season that year and you, you left as a hero from Hartlepool. And must have been a tough choice though, Seton Carew or the Gold Coast. <laughs> Look, at the time, it was the uh, it was the right choice, you know. At the time, but now looking back, um, I, I regret it loads. Absolutely, yeah. you know. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I wish I'd stayed and you know, uh, you know, had another three years and maybe got a testimonial and you know, at, 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 with England, the 
the jobs as in within football are so much more and there's more opportunities. Whereas back here in Australia, um, it's just very difficult to get fine jobs at the highest level because there's, we've got 10 teams, mate. <laughs> yeah. Send a lot of pictures of you in your swim pool, Joel. You were regretting it then, were you? <laughs> no, that, that was uh, good. Mate, the first six, the first um, six months here in, on the Gold Coast, we were like Man United. We were travelling we travelling by private plane. We'd have massage tables on the private plane. Um, we were doing everything. The, the owner at the time, Clive Palmer, was, you know, spending the cash and i thought well what a great decision this is you know this is yeah. the weather's good you know we we'd have to train at seven in the morning because it would be you know 35 degrees by 10 o'clock um where we were staying so you had to have your training session done by then so pretty much your whole day was free to do whatever you wanted to do with the family and all of that and um it was just awesome and then it it turned and and went to went to crap he he wasn't a soccer or a football person um so once things went bad um once we lost our first game i'll tell you a story every about the fifth game in we were undefeated so when we'd travel around australia it would be private jet when we did our pre-season games all private jet yeah so we went to newcastle and we lost by a private jet and we lost one nil i think it was so we went back to the gold coast and before each game, we'd have a meeting, who's in the squad, and then, oh, by the way, meet in the usual spot behind the airport because you don't do check-in or anything like that. It's just nice and quick. No, we um, both got private jets. You don't know how to regularly fly from Newcastle. <laughs> you know, you boys know what it's like in the private jet. <laughs> And uh, so we're, we're there and on the Friday, uh, the coach, Miron Blyberg, is going, right, okay, boys, this is the squad. We need to be at the airport this time. Make sure you're at um, Jetstar to check in. And we're looking at each other going, hey, Jetstar? We don't, we don't travel with the, the public, mate. We're, we're private jets. What's going on here? And we looked at him and said, Miron, what's what? Is the private jet getting serviced or what's the go? He goes, no, no, he's pulled the private jet now. So we literally lost one game. No, we were still no. top of the table, right? We lost one game and he pulled the private jet. And then um, we played out the year and we probably should have won the, won the league and all of that. But there was a few other things happening at the time. And then, and then the following year he pulled, you know, he pulled the, uh, the physio uh, money. He, he pulled all the, you know, the, massages the doctors all that so he pulled that money out so we had none of that um and then it just sort of spiraled down and by the third year um you know he'd been kicked out and wasn't the owner anymore and we got taken over and the federation then um defuncted the club and i pretty much ended up in the gold coast without a club and you know i, I went to the gold coast because there was a future of you know coaching the youth team and going through those steps and then that sort of just went out the window um so whatever i thought was going to happen we had to readjust and i ended up coming back to adelaide and um i had a few injuries and and things like that so i never got back to playing after that three years but i still sort of play in the local league here and coach and and all of that but yeah i wish now i'd stayed in hartlepool and and played out you know till the end, till I could no longer play there. Um, it's a big regret. And 
um, you know, I miss the boys. I miss the, I miss the camaraderie and not that we didn't have it here in Oz cause we did, but you know, the group of lads that we had there and, you know, like, like you boys are doing now going and catching up with each other and, you know, going having a beer and, and playing golf. Skip, I'd love to be able to go play golf with you boys again. Oh, um, yeah. You know, <laughs> all those things, you know, you sort of miss them things and, you go. You look back and go. Oh well, if I had stayed at Hartlepool, you know those, those, um, those opportunities would still be there. You know, when I left for Gold Coast, I missed Nelson's wedding. Um, you know, that was a big regret. You know, I wish I could have stayed that extra month to have stayed at and and been at Nelson's wedding because the uh, the stag doing Magaluf was pretty good. <laughs> Um, you know, just all them things. But it, that's what sometimes you make decisions at the time and you look back and you wish you'd done it a little bit better. But um, Just just looking back at Hartlepool, the Joel, I mean, you, you, you've obviously got ambitions to coach and things like that. And, and you know, it, if there was an opportunity arose in the future, it's so popular at Hartlepool. Has there been opportunities in the past to maybe return and, and would there be something that would be interesting? Well, I think I spoke to you, you know, obviously I keep an eye on it and obviously know there's been a few, you know, issues and obviously going down to the non-league and all of that. And I contacted you a couple of times about, you know, put my name forward if they need some help and, you know, want something different, you know, obviously being in Australia and coming from there and, um, you know, that would, I would love the opportunity. I don't, I don't know if it's the right time now or it was the right time back then, but, um, you know, if the opportunity ever rose that, you know, would help Hartlepool because, you know, it's not good seeing them where they are at the minute um, because we spent such good time there. We want, we, we sort of always want them to be successful and not where they are, but um, I don't know the backstory and all the owners and all of whatever's happened. But um, to me, I still remember the good times and, and where I think they should be and where they need to be. Um, not for, only for us, but for the town and the supporters and all that. Um, if I can help that at some stage, you know, they, you know, I'd love a phone call from from someone saying, "Oh, would you think about coming back to help?" And whether it, I don't know whether it would be full manager or assistant or anything like that, but um, I don't know what decision I'd make. But it, it, you know, it'd be it'd be an awesome opportunity to to think about it. That's for sure. Yeah, I think Joel. I mean, it would be brilliant for the town, be brilliant for the club. But I think you would you would you would get a shock. If you went to the club now, I really do. I think, I mean, I went down to see Simo how long? Probably six months, Simo. Yeah. And there's there's very few people working there behind the scenes. The offices used to be chock a block, used to be vibrant. Yeah. Lots of people, everyone. And it, it's it's almost there's no one around that goes down, and it's it needs building back up if it's going to get back yeah. to that sort of place that you remember it at. And I think you would. I was a little bit upset, to be honest, when I drove away from having a coffee with Mark. It's, it's sort of it, the playing side has dropped a little bit, but the other side of it for me has dropped even further. And I even think further, yeah. It's rebuilding before the playing side of it can move back up as well. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think they need to go yeah. together. It's, it, present for me, it looks a long way off, which is very, very sad. Yeah. Well, obviously, they need to rebuild in all areas. So. Um, you know, once that once they get that right, then you know who knows what's what's needed. I don't know what's needed, but something's obviously needed, isn't I think, it? I mean, just what Mark said about your popularity. Someone on Twitter when we said you were coming on uh, sent me a message saying, "Look, mate, I'm really sorry, but Joel Porter is my favourite player ever." 
And I was like, look, you don't need to apologise. I was like, if I was referred to you all with me, I used to tackle people and hit it. I used to throw wood. I mean, the popularity around the town will never, ever win, that's for sure. So, Joel, thank you for taking the time. Um, I know you've got to shoot off to work now, so we'll not keep you any longer. But thank you so much for, for getting up. And we'll get you back on in a, you know, maybe down the line. And we'll we'll do the uh, we'll do the early morning shift this time rather than you. <laughs> you can't no, do abs- ab- <laughs> Absolutely loved it, boys. It's been really good. I appreciate it. And um, yeah, I'll you know, I'll do this anytime you boys want, you know. Absolutely brilliant. And make sure you say hello to the rest of the lads for us face to face and um, I love the WhatsApp group. I, uh, I wake up every morning and I've got about 50 messages on there and I'm laughing my way all the way to work. So it's brilliant. Yeah. Joel, just quickly for me, you know how much I love you, mate, and how, how much I appreciate the team. And, and like I say, it's, it's good to keep contact over the WhatsApp, but I promise you I will come in my private plane one day and actually... <laughs> I'm, I'm I'll be waiting for... I'm not coming when you have to wear a jacket and a hoodie every day. <laughs> Make sure you come in the in the summer, mate. You'll just need t- uh, shorts and a t-shirt. And I've I'm got a bedroom waiting. ready for you, bud. I'm just waiting for an invite, to be honest. <laughs> the invite's there. All the lads. We'll have Magaluf in Adelaide. Yeah, that'll be good. <laughs> All right, boys. All right. Cheers, Bill. Take care, yourself. Yeah, have a good day. Take it easy, lads. Thanks, Bye-bye. mate. Mickey, that was that was brilliant with Joel, wasn't it? He's so full of enthusiasm still. Yeah, I mean, I texted him about coming on and he was like, yeah, I'd love to do it. And he said, I just love talking about those times, the times he spent at Hardypool, the players that he played with, being in the town. And he, and, and he said, I'd love to do it. And he said, I'll actually go to work after doing it with a spring in my step because he... Obviously, you can tell when he's talking about his goals to his sons and how, how yeah. enthusiastic he was about that. I love that bit. But he's talking how how you just tell how much he loved it. And uh, to get up at half past four in the morning and, and do an hour with us, uh, it was absolutely brilliant. But he just he loves the place. You can tell he would he would if someone had made a phone call, he'd be back with a drop of a hat to come and help out, which I think shows a lot about him. He'd be an asset as well. Just his enthusiasm around the place. It'd be brilliant to have him back involved with Hartlepool. Or any other club like you're brilliant. So now I've thoroughly enjoyed that. Absolutely superb, Mick. And uh, we're going to struggle to top that one, I think. <laughs> each week, I mean, the feedback that we're getting each week is oh, what a brilliant. Like Hendo last week, you know, you're talking about some things that probably are hard to talk about, but I think a lot of people enjoyed it. I got a couple of private messages on Twitter. Yeah. Um, what of people who said, look, Mick, I've, I've felt the same. I've been in similar sort of situations. So. Yeah. It's not always the things that you expect to talk about, you know. Tonight I was with the, I was expecting Joel to, to to do the ten questions, and we never even got a chance to ask them because he wanted to talk about other things. And mm-hmm. and hearing them about regretting going back to Australia, I did not expect that at all. I thought, no, I, I, I didn't regret about going back to Australia, but obviously he has. And and it's those conversations that sometimes surprise you and make a good episode. So yeah, that's been absolutely terrific tonight. Absolutely superb. Well, Mick, thanks very much for your time again. And it's, it's been a really enjoyable evening. I hope everyone's enjoyed listening to Joel and catching up with him. A real Aussie legend. He still walks on water for me. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll be back with the next episode of Switcher Player next week. Do join us then. Thank you.